Lord Jesus, we pray you would send down your Holy Spirit upon us as we open up your word and reflect on this creed, that it would be good news to our hearts, that we would receive it and live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So good to be here. Um, Chris asked me to preach, and I was excited to do it, to see Trevor, who I knew from youth group, and Trey over there I knew from uh, college ministry. Good to see you, brother. Nice beard, grunt. So I'm an old man. And um, so Chris asked me to, to come and to, to preach, and I said, sure, yeah, I'd be happy to help you out. And he said, well, you know, it's Mother's Day. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay, well, I, yeah, I can do that. And I want you to preach on the creed. I thought, oh, my goodness, that sounds pretty boring. I didn't say that out loud. I thought it in my heart. I thought, man, I, you know, the creed, come on, man, it's Mother's Day. Let me try to get some tears going and, you know, touch on their emotions. He said, no, man, I want you to preach on the creed. And I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever. So as I opened up the creed, what I realized was, you know, I mean, I know the creed. I've memorized it. And I've said it so many times. It's like rote. And what I started to realize is, man, I, I just don't think about what I'm saying anymore. I mean, I just kind of spout it out without it really taking heart. And I said, Lord, I want to sit down and just kind of read this with fresh eyes and read it in a new way. And it hit me when I looked at the part I have. It's for us and for our salvation. I thought, for us. I forget this is for us, Lord, that this is about your love for us. Everything that follows from this creed comes out of your love for me, your love for your people, your love for us. I was overwhelmed by his love. I realized this creed is really an ode to love. It expresses how he loves us in this world. It's immeasurable. It's unstoppable. It's ubiquitous. His love for us is so powerful. And what I realize is that his love for us isn't just some emotion. It's not like just feel good about you guys, but it's a love that drives him to action. A love that causes him to do something, to sacrifice, to grieve, to come after us. And as I thought about Mother's Day, I thought, you know, that mother's love isn't just how cute he is in the pictures and I posted on Facebook and it gives me a good feeling, but the love of a mother really is in those early days when she's tired and exhausted and you're crying in the night and she gets up and feeds you, cleans you up, changes you, and there you are an infant and you have no awareness. You have no thanksgiving in your heart. You're not appreciative. You're an infant. And yet her act of love is there over and over again. And I believe that's the way the Lord views us. When we're not aware, when we're infants in our faith, and whenever his love for us just seems to go by and we're not thankful, and we don't remember and we don't stop and appreciate it. But he wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. He doesn't want us to stay infants anymore, Paul says, but to grow into full maturity. Will we recognize that love? Will we're thankful for that love? Will we see the sacrifices that he has made for us? And that's what this creed is getting at. He has done it for us. So what is that thing that he has done for us? He did it for us for our salvation. 
And salvation simply means he came to save us. He loved us, so he came back to save us. To save us from our sin, to save us from our despair, to save us from our hopelessness, to save us from our rebellion, to save us from the fact that we think we can do life without God, to save us from all the things that separate us from his joy and from his love and from the peace that goes beyond all circumstances. He came to save us. It's what God has been doing ever since we sinned. In the garden with Adam and Eve, they eat from the tree and they hide from him. And what does God do? He goes looking for them. He seeks them out. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ came into the world to save us. God has always been at work throughout scriptures. When he looked at the world and the world turned from him, he said, I am going to raise up a people the people of Israel, to be my voice, to speak to the world about my love for them. And when we didn't listen to them, he said, I'm going to raise up prophets to speak to them. I'm going to raise up judges. I'm going to raise up kings. And all in all time, we don't listen, we don't receive. And finally he said, in my infinite love, I am going to go down. I am going to send my son, God himself, to save ultimately them from sin and death. God loves to save. He gave us the gift of salvation. But too often the problem is we don't know that we need saving. So when Jesus showed up onto the scene, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and these guys, their response to Jesus was basically we don't need you as our Savior. And Jesus said, you're right, because I came for the sick, for the captives, for the needy. I came for those who know they aren't right with God. For those who know they can't do it in their own power and strength. I came for the lost. I came for the outcast. I came for the lonely. So if you don't think you need a Savior, I didn't come for you. My wife says, I'm cheap. I think I'm just thrifty. Um, so when spring comes, inevitably, right, and, and, and in the mornings and stuff like that, it's colder outside than the house. And so to save money on air conditioning, I open all the windows up, right? And the bugs come in and all this stuff, and it's a, it's a constant battle. She's here, but uh, she wins. But um, so the other day I did that, and sure, you know, sure enough, bird flies in, right? Birds flying around the house, hitting lamps, you know. I'm like, there goes my air conditioning savings. It's gone. So what do I want to do? Man, I want to save that bird. It's a captive. And, I, and I'm like, I really want to save you, bird. Stay still. Keep, stop pecking at me. Stop running away. Stop getting all over the place. Just let me get you and I'll set you free. And I think that's how God feels. He's came to save us. And we just peck at him. We run around. We don't realize we need saving. We keep running into the glass. And he just wants to reach out and save us. And we don't sometimes let him. I'll do it in my own power, my own strength. I'll just flap around in life until finally the bird got so tired of trying to save himself, he had to trust. He thought, well, I'll, that dude, I guess I'll let him grab me and let me go. And I think that's the kind of life that I've lived far too often. I don't know that I need God, or I maybe don't believe that he's there to do it. 
You see, we live in a world and a culture that tries to tell us that message over and over again. It tries to say, you know what? You guys don't need a Savior. All this stuff like about good and bad and morality and sin and, you know, all that stuff, religion, all that's just some moral construct that's been placed upon you by religious leaders or political leaders or somebody to keep you in check, to keep you in line. You know, know, I'm okay, you're okay. We just need to forget about all that sin and all that stuff, man. And then the great prophet John Lennon of the Beatles (laughs) says... Yeah, guys, just imagine if there's no heaven and there's no hell below us. Imagine if there's no countries and no possessions. Imagine if there's no religion. Here's what you get. You get peace. The world will be one, is what he says. And he could not be further from the truth. We live in a world that says you do not need a Savior. And the problem is all of this religious stuff that causes violence and pain and that, that. It has nothing to do with you. And the scripture says the exact opposite. And I think the reality of our world and our hearts is we know that's not true. We know that that song, why it's got a good tune, just would never work out. That's just not the way reality is. But we struggle against that. We know that we need to have a Savior. You know, one of the things that's so challenging for me, I'm a father of four boys. I see a couple of them here today. Saw one go out. I'm a second grader. One's in college. Um, Good good stretch there. But um, as raising these boys, and I thought to myself, you know, as a father, one of the things that's so hard and so difficult for me um, that causes me anguish and whatever with my kids, it's not when they blow it. Not that you guys have ever blown it. It's not when they, you know, wreck the car or get a speeding ticket or you know it's the thing that really gets to me that hurts me the most is when they don't ask for help when they need it whether it's with a math problem or with a relationship or with something that's going on that's challenging in the world okay and and they don't ask for the help that they need that's what really gets to me because one I was like that as a child but two I know what the underlying message is there And it's, you should be able to do it on your own. You should be able to do it by yourself. You should be able to figure it out. You should be able to pull it off. You should be able, the message of shame that comes from the enemy that he says to every one of us on a daily basis. You don't need a savior. You should be able to save yourself. You should be able to get it done. You should be able to behave right. You should be able to fill in the blank. Salvation in the gift is saying, I need help. I need others. I'm in need of someone to come to help me, to save me. And I'm so thankful that God is willing to do that. We do need a Savior, but we sometimes look for it in the wrong places. You know, the common ones, you know, they're obvious. We look for it in money. Here's how, how, this is how you know uh, that's trying to be your Savior. When you start a conversation this way, when I win the lottery, I will dot, dot, dot. <laughs> We've all done it. You know, if I won the here's what I would do. And here's what I would do. And things would be better. I would be happier. Things would be made right. Big, big smile on my face. All my problems would go away. And as if this thing is going to be my savior and save all the problems. We do that. We know it. 
I say we know it. We sell billions of dollars of lottery tickets. Maybe we don't know it. The other one's obvious too. It's, it's power. And it starts this way. If I was the head of, if I was in control of, if I were running the show, if I was the president, if I was the head of this business, if I were running this church, if I were, then things would work out this way. If people would just listen to me, if we would just do it, I thought, I got it. You know, I have the answers. If I just had more power, more control over my life and the circumstances around me, then things would work out. That's my salvation. Now, I know none of you guys have thought that way, but I have. (laughs) And then there's also the other religions in the world that say, let me tell you a different way of salvation. And one of the ones they say this, man, you guys stop, just stop desiring anything. When you care about stuff and you desire and you talk about all this love and all that, that's just going to frustrate you because it's not going to work out. Stop desiring anything. Just get into your nirvana. Just stop caring about stuff. You see, the Christian faith says just the opposite. It says what? God wants to give you the desires of your heart. That the desires of your heart are there for a reason and for a purpose. And they're going to continue to cry out into you until we fully live into what God has created us to be. Not stop, push all that away and care about nothing. That sounds like a solution. It doesn't work. Other religions say, you know what? You just, it's, we just, it's reincarnation, man. Here's the beauty of it, man. You work at it, you know, and you're going to get it, but don't worry. If you don't get it this time, you die. You might, maybe you drop down to a dog or lizard or something, but if you're a good lizard, you get to move back up. And after a while, you're going to get all the way to the top with enough shots, right? And if not, well, you don't deserve it anyway. And, you know, and, and you think, well, that sounds cool. I like to be a dog. Well, I don't know. It, we know that ain't going to work. We know how many. I, I could get a million lives. I'm never going to pull it off. I'm end up a worm. <laughs> I know it. And then other religions say this, and this one actually even sneaks into Christianity. It says, you just got to try harder, guys. You know the rules. Focus on the rules. Behave right. Get it together. Try harder, and if you try hard enough, and you work at it, and you study all the rules, come on, get it together, you know better. And we're like, yeah, I know you know better, I know what the rules are, I'm going to do it this time. And it's this behavior modification. Man, I tried that too, I came up short. But what God gives us in this, Paul says it, I love the way Paul says it. He said, you know what, I'm, i got to tell you guys, I'm talking to a place of Rome and there's all these religions and all these different ways. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved other than Jesus Christ. He is the way and the truth and the life. That's the gift of salvation. We don't deserve it. I love the fact that we were playing Christmas songs earlier. It's the incarnation, the whole Christmas thing. And, it, and Trevor told me they would play Christmas songs. And it made me think about this about my Christmas growing up. And this is kind of how it worked. I would get up and we had a big family Christmas, cousins, grandparents and all that. And we would all roll into the one room, right? And as I rolled in as a kid, I halfway thought, there's going to be some lumps of coal in there, you know. 
I was pretty aware of what my actions were, and if he could see all things, I thought there's, but I was hoping for a little something, something, you know. But what happened inevitably is I'd get in there, and I was spoiled. I can't see very well. I don't know if my mom's in here or not today. She said she was coming to one of these services, but I got everything, and more than I thought, and candy, and what, I mean, it just, it was awesome. I loved it. I got way more than I deserved. Maybe I was spoiled a little bit. My wife's going, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, But what it did is it taught me to receive these gifts which I didn't deserve. I did not earn. I knew I didn't earn it as a kid. And it set me up, I think, in a healthy way to say, man, you're giving me the gift of salvation. I didn't earn that. I hadn't done right. Yeah, it's a free gift to you. Receive that. So how does this salvation happen? Well, he came for us, for our salvation. He came down from heaven and was born of the Virgin Mary. The incarnation. He came to be with us. God is with us. God, Emmanuel. It was prophesied. It was spoken over Joseph, spoken over Mary. Call him Jesus. Call him Emmanuel. Because this is God coming down and walking with us. And why is that so important? Why is it so important that God has to become man for us? That was something that I think I struggled with and didn't quite understand. Um, and years back, my, my brother-in-law, um, I went to, uh, his brother died, who I really didn't know, and I went to the funeral, and my brother-in-law was there. He was obviously upset and whatever. I didn't know what to say. It was a little bit awkward, and, you know, and got through that thing. And, and then years later, my brother died, tragically. And at that funeral, my brother-in-law came up, And when he came and he gave me a hug and I looked him in the eyes, I knew he's been through this. He knows the pain. He knows my struggle. He knows my loss. He knows what I'm going through. I see it now. And he was able to comfort me. And he he had been through it and he had gotten to the other side. and, And I thought, man, there's hope in this. You see, that's what the incarnation's about. Jesus came down to experience Everything that we experience, every temptation. He was betrayed. He was mocked. He was spit on. His friends turned on him. He was rejected. You name the the people that he came for to love the most killed him. They ignored him. And that's what we've all experienced in life. And we need a God who can look us in the eyes, Jesus does, and says, I know. I know. I know the pain. I know the difficulty. I know the challenge. And I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And I'm offering you this gift of life, salvation, for you and for your salvation. I came down from heaven and was born of the Virgin Mary. And that's an amazing thing that God himself would take on. And what's common to all humanity is these two things. We have a father. Jesus had his father in heaven. But also what's common is this. Who here has a mother? Almost had a mother. Right? Most of you. All right, great. It's good. It's good. What's common to all humanity is that we have a father and a mother. And this isn't some sort of accidental Darwinian whatever. This is the reality in the world in which we live in. Is that we all come in. We didn't create ourselves. You didn't make yourself. You didn't 
create, didn't take care of yourself when you were, you didn't, you didn't, you could, you were helpless. You didn't create yourself. You need other, you need others. You need help. The very nature of humanity. And it says Jesus did not take his Godship and grasped and hold on to it, but he emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant and was willing to be born of a mother, the Virgin Mary, to make flesh, to give all that up, to be an infant, God choosing to be an infant, to model for us. It's an amazing thing. So on this Mother's Day, as we grow and mature and we realize this, it's a day to go, you know what, now I know why that made the top ten list, honor your mother and father, well top five really, it's fifth, right? The honoring of your mother, the honoring of those who went before you in your creation creates in us that kind of humility that creates our space to receive the Savior Jesus Christ. So we honor our mothers today. We remember. Some of us had perfect moms, if my mom's here. If she's not here, if she's at the next service, I'll do that one in the next service. Some of us, some of us didn't. Some of us, that was a challenging part of our lives. But there was still the gift of life. There was still something there, that creation that was given to us. So that as we honor our mothers and fathers, it's a way to start to honor our Father in heaven, to honor what Jesus Christ did, to honor those things. Let me close with this. Here's the good news. For us, because He loved us, He came down from heaven so He could save us from our captivity. He lived the life of the human, experienced everything that we experienced. He had a mother, so we can celebrate Mother's Day, make my sermon work. (laughs) And it's a gift for you, one that you don't deserve. Please receive it today. As you sing worship songs, as you come up for communion, receive that gift of love that God has for you. Lord, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the gift of life that you gave us through our mothers. But above all, thank you for our salvation, made possible through his death on the cross, as he took upon him all of our sin, all of our rebellion, And now we can be back in relationship with you. It's our heart's desire, what we were created to do. Let us both receive it in our lives and be willing to give it away to those around us. In Christ's name, amen.